Hi there, welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham, and thank you so much for joining me for a few minutes of meditation on some of the scripture for our Sunday School lesson. We're in the book of Mark today, and we've been seeing Jesus in the past few weeks in this series of lessons, dealing with people that normally you would think he might not deal with. First, we were talking about the Samaritans. These are people that the Jews didn't like very much. They had a long-running animus that went back for centuries. And today we're going to see Jesus encountering a person that uh, we believe was a Gentile. Now, of course, the Jews and the Gentiles, oil and water, how different can two people be? But part of the point of today's lesson, I believe, is that when people are in trouble, when people are in need, where they come from and what their background is, is secondary. And Jesus teaches us all a very important lesson here. We're in the fifth chapter of Mark. And we're going to begin reading with the first verse. Now, Jesus is up in the region of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. It's referred to here as the lake. And he's going to go to a part of the territory that he doesn't usually spend most of his time. It's up around the northeast quadrant of the lake. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now, the Gerasenes, this is an area that's controlled by the Gentiles. There were ten cities scattered on the uh, right side of the Jordan River, the Transjordan area, uh, that were pretty much uh, there for the Romans, and, and the people who lived there are uh, Gentiles. In fact, we're going to see a very big clue in just a few minutes that uh, this region probably had very few Jews in it, that the Gentiles certainly outnumbered them. So we have a man with an evil spirit. Now today, of course, the way we normally look at the characters in the Bible that are described as being with an evil spirit, most of the time today we look upon this as being symptoms of mental illness. And uh, people who have studied uh, the workings of the mind say that many of the symptoms that would pre present themselves in these passages would today be classified as mental illness. But of course, in Jesus' day, they didn't have a lot of sophisticated understanding of, the, of the, the way the mind works all the time. So a very common way of looking at a person who behaved in this way was to believe that this person was possessed by an evil spirit, because the person would say things that, that are crazy. They would act in ways that are harmful. And it was easier for the people of that day to understand it that way. And this man is in such bad shape, apparently, that he can't live in normal society. He's spending his time among the tombs, the caves where they put the dead bodies. He is completely rejected by his own society, and he is in very great need. And we're assuming here, of course, that he's a Gentile because he's in the Gentile area. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Uh, sometimes people who are suffering from mental illness are able to use great strength to get away from ropes and even the chains of the day. He could break free. Obviously, they had tried to bind him, uh, we're guessing, because he probably was a danger, both to himself and to the people around him. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. 
night and day among the tombs and in the hills. He would cry out and cut himself with stones. So this is a person who is in torment. And certainly, uh, in the perspective of, of the people of Jesus' day, it would seem like evil spirits were possessing him, torturing him, causing him to be a danger to others, and certainly a danger to himself, cutting himself. This is the kind of person that most of us, if we were to encounter somebody in this way, and we weren't trained in how to deal with this, we would quickly want to run the other way. Jesus doesn't show the kind of fear, the kind of reserve, uh, the, the kind of uh, uh, feelings that we might exhibit in this case. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran out and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Well, what an odd thing for a person to say to Jesus. First, how was this Gentile even going to recognize Jesus, whom we recognize as the Son of God? Even the Pharisees, the scribes, the priests of Jesus' day didn't recognize him in this way. So there must be something supernatural, something out of the ordinary going on. And why on earth would this person think that Jesus would want to torture him? The thing Jesus is known for is healing, not torture. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Okay, so now we believe, uh, or the people who wrote this believe, that, that an evil spirit is speaking through the person who is possessed. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He's probably addressing the man himself, but the demons are the ones that answer back. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And again he begged Jesus, and again and again, not to send him out of the area. Now, why evil spirits would uh, go inside people and torture them? Uh, there are a lot of the folk tales that were quite common in Jesus' day, uh, the belief in certain things like that. Um, again, they had a whole si system of beliefs about these demons and how the possessions worked. And apparently they feared being without a body to control. And this is the, the danger. And that also explains, by the way, why uh, they believe that the spirits were able to recognize Jesus, because these are supernatural beings. They can see and understand things in the supernatural realm that would not be available to people who are not, uh, to the people whose minds are in the more physical world. So the evil spirits have conquered this body, have taken it over, and it's not just one. Jesus, in fact, in, in one of his parables, talks about uh, a person who was possessed by a spirit, and when the spirit is taken out of him, a group of spirits come in. So this is part of their common belief pattern at the time. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. Well, this is more than just a colorful detail. This tells me a lot about what's going on in the story. For one thing, we're definitely in Gentile land because Jewish farmers would have no use for pigs. They were unclean animals. Nothing from this animal could possibly be useful to a Jewish farmer. So clearly we're in an area where cultivating and uh, taking care of a herd of pigs must have some monetary value because, hey, the people there, they're eating ham, they're eating bacon, 
Um, they're able to consume the meat from this animal, and it would have been a valuable commodity. So the pigs are out there. Uh, they are feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons beg Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Now the spirits have been described as unclean. Uh, that was one of the ways that the uh, people of the first century looked at spirits. Not only were they evil, but they were unclean. And, and anybody uh, who was possessed by these spirits, of course, was not able to be part of the communion, certainly not among the Jews of the Samaritans. And we would assume that probably whatever Gentile religion was being practiced there, they would have a similar idea for them. So this detail is very telling because they asked to be put into the unclean animals, which Jesus certainly would have recognized as unclean. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now, this is a very sad thing. Obviously, uh, the people who own the pigs are going to have a monetary problem with this. This is a valuable commodity, 2,000 pigs. From today's perspective, uh, I'll have to admit, the first time I looked at this, I thought, what a waste of bacon, um, because that's the way I think about them. Uh, and uh, the people of that day probably had a, a similar thought. What a waste. How sad is this? These, these are animals that could be used for food. Another thing this probably did, and this is just my speculation here, it had to increase the property values. Because if you've ever been within a mile or two of a pig farm, you know that nobody wants to be anywhere near where pigs are being raised. So certainly the people around there um, would have had a more pleasant experience around the lake at that time. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people came out to see what had happened. And these people clearly are going to be Gentiles. The word of Jesus had probably spread around a lot, not so much because of his claim or the claim that people were making for him to be the Messiah, because to the Gentiles, Messiah was just a title for some religious group over there. But the fact that he had been healing people, certainly that would have gotten everybody's attention. Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, if they had any atheists running around, the man can heal, so certainly they would have been interested in that. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Well, that's got to be a cause of celebration, right? I'm certainly expecting them to be happy. But no, the Bible tells us they were afraid. Hmm, why would they fear this? Well, anybody who is able to summon the demons and cause them to rush out of the uh, of, of the person who was possessed there's got to be something going on with this this is a powerful person is this person going to use power for good or for evil well they are afraid of jesus uh, because they know that this is a person who had been acting uh, in this way possessed could have been years could have been his whole life we don't know but certainly somebody they had given up on Jesus had not given up on this person. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Well, 
once again, we may have had a lot of bacon lovers there, and they're afraid that he'll get rid of all the pigs, and well, that wouldn't be a very pleasant thing to happen. But more likely, it's the fear I was talking about that they had of this person who had control even over demons. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and show how much he has had mercy on you. So, of course, this person now wants to join in these twelve lucky apostles, the people who get to be with Jesus every day. Uh, this not time, though, for Jesus uh, to completely give up on the Jews and start having a Gentile follower, apparently. Jesus sees this person as having a more useful place to be, as opposed to going out and going into a land where he would be seen as different, as an outcast, as a reject, being a Gentile. He instead is told to go to those people, to his own people, and show them. He's now a living example of the power that Jesus had. That would have been a tremendous testimony. Some uh, commentators have called this the first missionary to the Gentiles. Um, that may be an overstatement, but certainly he was going to carry a story, and certainly the people around him are going to believe that something has happened, something major has changed in his life. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This Decapolis, uh, I mentioned a moment ago, those are the ten cities that the Roman government had set up largely for the Roman veterans to live in. Uh, so this person now is able to go back to the world of the Gentiles and say, look, this person has healed me. Uh, this is why we believe, of course, that this person himself was a Gentile. This is where he belongs. As I said at the beginning, uh, when people are in need, they don't always look at the credentials of the people that can help them. They're looking for somebody who can solve their problem. Jesus didn't look at this man and say, oh, you have to be a follower of Abraham, you have to follow our religion, you have to take on the Ten Commandments. He wasn't out there to do that. Jesus was there to heal a human being who needed help. And the man himself, obviously, was out of his mind anyway. He didn't ask where Jesus came from or what, what he came with. In fact, he was so taken with the power that Jesus had shown that he was willing to leave his area and go off to this strange land where people had lots of different beliefs. But Jesus didn't see him that way. He didn't see Jesus that way. Each of them saw a human being. That's what Jesus saw, a human being in need. And this man saw a human being, a manifestation of a human being, who could help him. And today, as we talk about following Jesus, trying to do what Jesus does, are the credentials really that important? If somebody is in need, that person's in need. We're Christians. We keep saying we want to do what Jesus does. So what is our responsibility? This goes back to the story of the Good Samaritan. Who is the neighbor? The neighbor may be the person who's in need, and maybe that's the point of this lesson. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for telling us the stories of Jesus, the barriers he broke, the barriers that Christians in his name continue to break today. Help us to break those barriers in order to serve you. In Christ's name, amen.